Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Jude Trader Wolf. We will have the grilled carrots, the grilled asparagus, and the duck confit, and you shall bring it, and it's so it shall be done. That and more. But first, you guys know we put out a newsletter, right? It's the easiest way to keep up with everything happening in the Risk universe. You just sign up, and it'll show up in your inbox a couple times a month. Just go to risk-show.com and stick your email in the yellow Get the Risk Newsletter box at the top, and you'll be all set. We'll be right back. But first... Hey, Risk fans. John LaSala here. I work literally day and night to help make Risk happen. And if you made it to the second half of last week's episode, For the Love of Charlie and Then Some, you will have heard David Crabb talking about his story with my wife, Kate LaSala. She was the pet death doula. But listen, she's also a dog trainer, and Kevin said it would be okay if I came on to tell you that Kate just released a new self-paced video course that I helped produce called Bringing Home Baby, Preparing Dog and Family for a New Baby. So if you or someone you know has a dog and are going to be bringing home a brand new tiny human into your home, save your dog and your whole family a lot of unnecessary stress and strife by planning ahead to make this big change at home go as smoothly as possible. It's not just some random tips, like the mythological, just bring the baby blanket home first. It's actually a really solid foundation in understanding how dogs think and behave, so you really come to understand how to prepare your dog, your home, and yourself for this momentous occasion. And heck, it'd make a perfect baby shower gift, right? But check it out for yourself at rescuedbytraining.com slash shop. And tell her John sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries... If you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. 
It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York. Some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance. There's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now here's the show. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hello, folks. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is James Last behind me now with his instrumental cover of a song from the musical Hair. I wouldn't want to run the vocal version taken out of context from the musical because the song is all about racist slurs. The character in Hair is commenting on what we're exposing in this episode that we're calling The Ugly Truth. Now, if you are in LA, you can see Risk Stories told live on stage tonight. If you're listening on November 21st, <laughs> we're at the Lyric Hyperion, stories by Adria Walden, Emily Blackwell, Margot Lightman, and Dylan Adler. And if you miss this one, there's another one coming up in December. All the info about our live shows is always at risk-show.com slash live. Now, in a little bit, we're going to hear from Anastasia Washington. But before that, a story from seven-time Risk alum, Jude Trader-Wolf. Jude is a creative arts therapist and the host of Mostly True Things, a storytelling game show out in Long Island. But here's a story that Jude recently recorded with us that we call Conscious Bias.
I'm having lunch at a high-end restaurant called Aria in 2001 in downtown Sydney, Australia. And it is elegant in every way. There's big wooden tables with chairs that are, they're fancy, but they're also comfortable. Diana Krall is playing over the sound system, loud enough that you could hear her, but not so loud that it overwhelms your conversation. Outside the window is the Sydney Opera House. It's just a perfect, beautiful environment. It's also the kind of place where they have absurdly small portions that are served on these bizarrely large plates that look like they were designed by Picasso for outrageously expensive food. And the table is covered with all these different plates because the people that we're with are hosting my husband and I for this very fancy lunch at a place we would never usually be. And it's also the kind of place that kind of flips a switch in me where I feel underdressed, outclassed, overwhelmed. I feel like there's, I don't feel free. I feel restricted in an environment like this. Like there's a field manual for how to behave in a restaurant like this that I never got. And somehow people just know how to behave and that I'm just gonna trip over something and and break a $4,000 vase. And, and, And I'm not buying, so it just makes me feel so awkward. And it doesn't help that we're with people that I don't really know. We're here as guests of Mike and Julie Gray, an Australian couple that own a publishing company that write and publish graphic novels that my husband, Nick, is a huge fan of. And he found them at a comic book convention in the United States, and then we met up with them five years earlier so he could get a subscription to this Australian graphic novel. And Mike and Nick really hit it off with their common passion for graphic novels and comics. And also they discovered that they both are obsessed with the Kennedy assassination. And my husband supplies Mike with every new book about the Kennedy assassination and they have an email relationship over the last five years. And then once a year to thank us for these books, they take us out to a fancy lunch, either here or at the Waldorf in New York City. And what's weird about how this environment makes me so uncomfortable is that we're in Australia for a conference on unconscious bias in healthcare. So how racism, sexism, and classism, and homophobia affect the way healthcare providers perceive people and treat them or don't treat them. So I understand the impact of an environment on people, but somehow I have no control over that when I'm in this world. Mike is a guy who, he looks a little bit like David Spade. He's got the slight build of David Spade, but he's got this masterful voice and manner and way of speaking that he's master of the universe. Like, we will have the grilled carrots, the grilled asparagus, and the duck confit, and you shall bring it, and it's so it shall be done. Like, he's ordering troops into battle. He's just a very powerful guy, but small. And he has this bizarre toupee that I cannot take my eyes off of and no one can speak of it. It is gray and has blonde streaks because maybe he was blonde when he had hair. And you can honestly see where it's glued to his head. And I almost can't take my eyes off of it, but of course it doesn't exist because we don't speak of it. And that toupee is one of the most, it's just a strange thing for a guy who's very well off to have this cheap thing on the top of his head. And it's the thing I notice about him whenever we're together. Julie 
is very, you know, Mary Poppins spits about everything is done just this way and she's very perfect and very welcoming and very kind but cold. It's not like I'm telling you exactly what to do, but I know exactly what you should be doing right now. That's how she speaks. And then their office manager, Junie, she is with us as well at all these lunches and she reminds me of Mrs. Kravitz from Bewitched, an Australian version of Mrs. Kravitz. She'll say, you see that couple over there? They're madly in love. And they're both married, but not to each other. She just knows what everybody's doing. And the waiter, she's got their love life all under control. So now Nick and and Mike are deep in conversation about whatever Kennedy assassination book uh, they're most interested in at the moment. So I have to have my conversation with these two women that I have really nothing in common with. And they're perfectly lovely and the table is littered with food. and, and, And Julie says, you must have the lamb. And inside, I'm thinking, I can't eat a lamb. I don't eat a little lamb. I would never. And Junie says, yes, absolutely. You must have the lamb. They're known for the lamb. And I feel so uncomfortable. And I say, um, no, no, thanks. No, I, 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 can't eat, I can't eat a lamb. And Julie says, but you must have the lamb. They're known for the lamb. And Junie goes, well, it's not a lamb. It's just lamb and i say okay all right i'll 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 have some lamb and then they put some lamb on my bizarrely large plate and i'm kind of pushing it around the plate and julie says the sauce is divine and you know what the special flavor is saffron i looked it up and junie says oh i know i can get saffron at the spice shop in my neighborhood well i could until you know they moved in and changed everything and julie says i know when the jews move into your neighborhood they change everything and i say what did you just Did you just say when the Jews move into your neighborhood that it changes everything? Did my ears deceive me? Is that what... Well, that's what I wish I had said. (laughs) What I actually said was, while I'm pushing the lamb around my plate, excuse me, I don't don't know if I heard you right. What what, what did you say? And Julie says, when the Jews move into the neighborhood... Everything changes. And Junie says, I know, they come in and they ruin everything. And I say, oh, well, maybe your lunch is being ruined right now because you're having lunch with a Jewish person right now. Half of our family is Jewish. Does that ruin your lunch? No, I wish, like, that's what I'm thinking. But what I actually say is, um, well, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. And I'm looking over to see if Nick is hearing any of this. He and Mike are really absorbed in conversation. And I say, I, I'm, I, 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 I'm just so, I'm just fumbling over my words. I don't know what to say. And then Mike suddenly pivots to this conversation with the ladies and says, yes. When the Jews come in, they take over the banks, they take over the businesses, and they only sell to each other, and they always look after their own. And that kind of wakes Nick up a little bit, and you know he's not enjoying his food as much, and he and I make eye contact, and we both feel so uncomfortable and so completely, it's a curveball we just had no idea was coming. 
and we're stonewalled. We're just stonewalled. And I think, I just have to change the subject. That's all, just change the subject. I don't know what to say. So I go, well, you know what? Sydney really pulled out those 2000 Olympics. Remember when we had lunch in 2000 and you didn't know if Sydney was going to have the city ready for the Olympics? And you sure did. You did an awesome job. It was great. And that makes Mike even more activated. And he goes, I was never so humiliated as when we had that Aboriginal woman leading the opening ceremonies in front of the whole world. And Nick really wakes up and he says, wait a minute, are you talking about Kathy Freeman? And I, I go, yeah, Kathy Freeman, she was on the cover of Time. She's a fantastic athlete. You should be really proud of her. And Nick said, wow, yeah, she made Australia look, look so great in front of the whole world. And Mike says, it was a humiliation that that woman led the opening ceremonies. It should have been a white male athlete leading the ceremony. And I know that what he means is a white male leading the world. And I see Nick just like a candle lights inside of his head and light bulb goes off and he says, wow, no, no. He says that it is time. It is time for people that have been pushed to the side and made to feel less and be marginalized to not only be at the table, but take the lead. You should be proud that Australia made her lead the opening ceremonies and made, you know, you should really be proud. It's time. And now I'm, I, I say, because they're looking like very uh, taken back and they don't know what to say now. They're really uncomfortable. And I, I, I'm like, oh, well, how does it feel? Well, that's not really what I say. What I, I really say is, this has been fun. <laughs> we don't get dessert. We don't get coffee. And we don't have lunch again with these folks. They don't invite us. Nick's and Mike's email relationship diminishes. And I walk away from this aware of something that really shocks me, that when it comes to unconscious bias, because I work in the field of mental health and healthcare, I have this toolkit and awarenesses and ways to talk about that and make it okay and make people aware of it and make myself aware. I know what to do when I kind of come across unconscious bias. But when it's just casual racism and anti-Semitism, not only casual, but like triumphant, proud anti-Semitism and racism, I actually don't know what to say or do. And I've thought about that and worked on that ever since because I don't want to be in a situation where I am stymied by feeling diminished by the environment or just stymied because I don't know what to say or do to people that are buying me a $400 lunch. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of times there's an elephant in the room and you don't know what to say. Sometimes it's casual racism and anti-Semitism, and sometimes it's the world's worst toupee. Are you kidding me?
it your brother, be it your cousin or your uncle or your lover. Howdy, Risk fans. This is friend of the show, Adam Griffin. I'm not only somebody who tells stories about masturbating gorillas, I'm also a life coach with Atomic Griffin Coaching. Coaching gives clients the opportunity to think what they've not thought, say what they've not said, dream what they've not dreamed, and create what they've not created. Dave Ellis. If you'd like to make a meaningful change in your life, whether that means breaking a bad habit like smoking, something I gave up and Jesus fucking Christ was that hard, or making a great habit like exercising regularly. I've run not one but two marathons, not in the same year. Or a third thing like managing your time better or taking some of the power out of that inner critic that says things like, what the fuck are you doing, you stupid idiot? <clears throat> Working with a life coach like me can help. To learn more about what it would be like for us to work together, set up a free discovery session with me. Just go to atomic-griffin.com. That's A-T-O-M-I-C hyphen G-R-Y-P-H-O-N.com to book that free session. Attention Risk fans! Use code RISK, that's R-I-S-K, when you book your free discovery session and get 10% off your first coaching package. Atomic Griffin Coaching. Let's unlock your limitless potential. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. If you have a This is Risk. This is the specials behind me now. And we just heard a story edited by John LaSala. It was told by Jude Trader Wolf, whose new solo show is called Faster, comedy about keeping up with the speed of change. And it's at the Performing Arts Studio 
in Port Jefferson, Long Island. Find out more at lifestage.me slash events. Folks, another one of our Patreon patrons sent us a little note with their donation to help keep risk afloat. It was Carly who wrote, This is the podcast for me. I can't find anything like it. I love you guys so much. I've listened to just about every episode. Keep doing amazing. I'm sorry I couldn't give more. Carly, every little bit helps. If all of our listeners gave just a little, we'd be in a much better position to keep the lights on around here. So thank you, Carly. And thank you to everyone who's been pitching in this year. As you know, it's been our hardest year ever financially. And for our Patreon supporters, we have a new bonus story out right now from David Feinberg. It sounds a little bit like this. After a few games, I started screaming again, swearing. I was throwing my racket. And what's crazy is I knew Lisa was watching, but I couldn't control myself. It just didn't matter. It didn't matter that she was watching. It didn't matter that other people were watching. It didn't matter that I was making a fool out of myself. I had zero control. That is at patreon.com slash risk. And if you want to make a one-time donation, that is at paypal.me slash risk show. Next up, we're going to hear from Anastasia Washington, who told this one at a recent Risk live show in L.A. at the Lyric Hyperion. Here's Anastasia now with a story she calls Let Me Eat Cake. So if you are a racist, our friendship has got to end. And if your friends are racist, don't pretend to be my friend. For those who don't know, Washington is a black last name. Yeah. You're looking at me strangely because I'm assuming most of you in this audience might be white. Maybe. I am very light-skinned. Every black person always knows that I am black. There's always somebody in their family that looks like me. Thank you, Founding Fathers. <laughs> But white people always are like, what are you? <laughs> There's something not quite white about you, you know? And I'm always like, oh, you know, I'm a human, I'm an alien. But really, I am a mixed woman. And I always had kind of this struggle with people, especially of the white persuasion, identifying me as a person of color. And that didn't really bug me or, or really, like, define me until when I was a little kid, around, like, six years old, I had uh, this encounter with neo-Nazis. It's okay. I'm fine. I'm here. We're okay. So when I was about six years old, I really wanted to go to this uh, 
this sleepover party. And in my house, you didn't go to sleepovers. <laughs> you just didn't. My dad was from the south side of Chicago. He's like, you have a bed. Just go and play and come back here. And my mom was always like, I don't know those people. You know, but I really wanted to go to this sleepover. But again, the rule was no. But I also wanted to go to the party because my dad had this habit of turning Saturdays into hell. He would wake us up at 6 a.m. to run the stairs and then play basketball with his Chicago buddies and then go to the barber shop and watch him get his hair cut for hours. And then we'd have to do yard work and then we would have to do a book report on 60 Minutes. So this Saturday, I did not have to do that. I got him to agree to take me to the party, which was a rare thing because my dad was a full-time, like, you know, work horse type of dad, and he was also getting his master's degree. So most people had just seen my mom at school. So I go to this party. My dad is already telling me, like, don't be begging. I told you the time allotment. You leave when I say leave. And I'm like, okay, all right. We go to the door, and Sterling's mom opens the door, and she has this look on her face. I'm not that freaked out by the look, because my family got that look all the time. Just that look of like, what's going on here, you know? And my mom had always given us this like confidence about it. She had been like, they're just looking because we're a really good looking family. So I just thought, God damn, I look good today. <laughs> and I just ran into the party. <laughs> I was like, let's go. My dad is a man of few words, so he was like, bye, I'll be in a couple hours, you know. So I go into the party, and things are already off. I'm told to sit down in this corner by these two huge black and white flags. Now, I don't know what those flags are until much later in life, but... I find out later that they are a Nazi flag and a Confederate flag. Didn't know, just weird big flags, right? I'm seated under these flags and I'm just so weirded out. Like, I'm just like, uh, can I go play? Everyone's running around and playing. And so I keep sneaking off to go play. Every time I sneak off, Sterling's mom decides to tell me that I have dirty hands and need to go to the bathroom and wash my hands because I'm dirty. God damn, all right? So I go, I wash my hands and I try to sneak out and play and I'm seated under these flags again. And I'm like, what is going on? But you know, the party wasn't that great of a party. You know, it wasn't a Washington party. Like we know how to throw a party. We have themed parties. Like, I had a five-year-old party, a Western-themed. We had custom ponies that you made out of sticks, and we had cowboy, you know, beans, and, and we had this one pirate one where all the invitations were burnt and sent off, like, in little bottles. This was not that party. This one had a lot of bars, a lot of casseroles, and a lot of not activities, just kids running around. But I still wanted to play. You know, I still wanted to do this. But every time I tried and every time my friends tried to get me involved, Sterling's mom would sit me back down and tell me I needed to wash my hands. So this keeps going on and I'm trying to be polite. But then the cake comes out. And cake 
is the reason for my existence. <laughs> yeah, I love cake. I even made a holiday about cake. I have cake every Wednesday. It's Cake Wednesday to celebrate life and so that I have an excuse to get cake. <laughs> so the cake comes out and I am so excited. And I, I'm just like, Sterling's mother, can I have a slice of cake? And she's like, no, your parents are coming soon. And I'm like, oh, but you know, are not here yet. And there's cake right here. And my friends chime in. They're like, oh my God, Anastasia loves cake. Like it's her favorite thing in the world. I'm like, it really is. Can I just have a slice of, and I'm told no, and to go sit back down. And I think really this solidified my obsession with cake right there. Just seeing all my friends eat something that is my favorite and not being allowed to eat it. So, so solidified it there. My parents arrive and they can tell I'm upset because I've gotten to the breaking point now. Like even my child actorness could not hide my crying, <laughs> you know? And so they ask me what's going on and I, I tell them what's going on and I'm told to sit in the car and they walk into the house and I'm not really sure what was said, but I could tell it was a little agitated. My parents got back into the car, tried to put on a happy face and probably put on a Tom Jones song because that's always what makes me feel good. <laughs> so I still didn't really understand what was going on. Like I didn't understand why this was happening or what any of this meant. But Sterling had one more lesson to teach me. So the next day at school, Sterling and her sister Ava decided to talk to me on the playground after school. Sterling came at me and she was like, you lied to me. You're dark meat and you're dirty. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I am not a chicken nugget. I kind of, I'm just one meat color. <laughs> but she just kept at it. And finally, Ava and her pushed me up against the chain link fence, punched me, and they called me a nigger. Now, I will tell you, every single person of color remembers the first time they're called the N-word, not politely. <laughs> I still didn't get that this wasn't polite. Because in my household, my dad called us the N-word all the time. <laughs> in fact, he used to wake us up in the morning by singing, wake up, little niggas, wake up. <laughs> I had no clue that this was a bad word. But I did know that the punch really hurt. <laughs> you know, They were about to go in for another punch, and my sister, who was picking me up from school, jumps out of the car and separates them and tells them to get away from her sister. She asks me what's going on. I tell her, and I tell her about the word that was said. And she looks at me and said, oh no, you gotta tell Papa. And I was like, why? And she's like, just tell Papa. And I was like, okay. So I go home and I go, Papa, Apparently, I'm supposed to tell you this kid called me the N-word. And he goes, oh, you never, ever let someone call you the N-word. And I was like, you call me that all the time. 
He was like, yes, but when I say it, I'm taking its power back and I'm giving you power. And I'm like, I am six. I have no idea what you're talking about. But this is when my family had to have the talk. Now, everyone has the talk in their family. Usually it's about sex. In black families, it's about racism. And so I had that talk that day. And I was told that I was different, our family was different, and that some people didn't like that. And some people didn't like me because I'm black, which really confused me. Because I was like, why didn't they know, right? There were other mixed kids in my class that were not invited to that party. And then I realized it's because I'm so light-skinned. And now it's something like, it's one of the first things I say to people. I'm like, hi, I'm Anastasia, I'm half black. <laughs> it may be because of pride. It may be because of fear. <laughs> we'll go with pride. But it was this moment that made me so proud and loud about cake and about <laughs> being mixed. Because I am a beautiful black woman, no matter what shade of mixed I am. Thank you, guys. This is Save the Children by Gil Scott Heron behind me now. And we just heard from Anastasia Washington. You can find out about her new audiobook, You Need to Hear This, Self-Help with a Sense of Humor, over at her Instagram, at Anastasia Wash. We'll be right back. We're back. Folks, don't forget that I do one-on-one -on -one coaching for storytelling, life coaching, I do speaking engagements, and more. And you can find out about all of that at kevinallison.com or just email me at kevin at risk-show.com. My first well-being practices workshop has started. It's so beautiful. We have a small group of risk listeners who gather on Zoom each week to discuss meditation techniques, breathing exercises, creativity breaks, self-love journaling, shadow work, all kinds of self-care practices and where we're each at on our day-to-day -day journeys. So. If you want to possibly be a part of the next one of these that I lead in 2024, email me at kevin at risk-show.com. 
Well, that'll just about do it for this episode, folks. But check back on Thursday when we have a super special guest host, Dixie De La Tour from Body Storytelling. She'll be guest hosting another fun series that we're kicking off. This one is called Sex Stories. <laughs> so this is going to be Sex Stories number one. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, y'all. As you... Fuck. Fuck me. Am I supposed to say fuck no. me? Fuck me is what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> but that is Thursday. And folks... Today's the day. Take a risk. We've got to do something, yeah, to save the children. Soon it will be their turns to try and save the world. Are you kidding me? Did I just hear you right? Okay. 